Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, Marianne Teff will join me. She's an author, a teacher, a journalist, plus so much more. Her new book is titled Full Moon Fire, Spoken Songs of Love. Marion is not here. Due to technical problems, as usual, we're waiting on her to arrive. So just hold on. Let's see, this might be Marianne. Cross your fingers. It's not connecting to Hello, the Marianne. Yeah. Hello, Marianne. It's better you use this. So just clear. So you can use that. How do we know how to do that? Marianne. I can hear something. But it didn't sound like your voice. Are you there? good people. We're going to try this one more time. Again, cross your fingers, maybe your toes as well. Here we go. Marianne. Good evening, Michael. It's Marianne. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you made it. I'm terribly sorry. That's okay. You're so calm. I'm trying to pull my hair out, and I don't have any. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I guess I'm accustomed to life on a rock in the Atlantic these 20 years, and we have these kinds of things. I'm terribly sorry this happened to oh, no. you no, and to your no problem. I can hear you, and if you ever need to disconnect, do so, and just call right back, all right? Or connect all right, back with thank the you computer. very much. Yes, not a problem. I'm just glad you're here. All right, I talked thank about you. you. I've set up the program. Are you ready to start this poetic journey with me? I certainly am, and it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. Let's begin. Marianne, what is poetry? Ah, well, how long have you got? Not as long as we thought we had, but... All right. um, Well, there's so many beautiful definitions of poetry. I love what Lawrence Ferlinghetti said, for example, that poetry is the shadow cast by our street light imagination. For me, that gives me the feeling that poetry is something ephemeral in a sense. It can be dim and it can change in various lights and weathers. I also love what Thomas Gray said about poetry, that poetry is the thoughts that breathe and words that burn. And again, for me, reinforcing that idea of something ephemeral. I love Mm. myself the notion that poetry is also inspirational and motivational. For example, the way Maya Angelou tells us that poetry can tell us what human beings are 
why we stumble and fall and how miraculously we can stand up. And fundamentally, so many poets, most of us really believe that poetry is for us as fundamental as bread. And certainly we agree with poets like Sylvia Plath and Pablo Neruda and obviously Mary Oliver, who said exactly that. For me, poetry is that place that provides a comfortable kind of solace, a quiet, Mm -hmm. where really I consider where I am in the world and where it is in me. That's what I feel poetry is. Very nice. So if I ask you to describe what poetry is from your heart in one word, what would you say? Love. Poetry is love. Yes. Love. Oh, no. Something told me you were going to say that, and it's beautiful. I like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. We talked about what poetry is. Why is it important, Marianne? Why is it important that we do what we do, all writers? Well, poetry is art. And even though art is not useful in the way that swim goggles or microwave ovens or laptops uh, are useful, poetry is fundamental. Poetry is the way of talking about the things that we fear, the things that frighten us. Poetry is what connects us um, to each other, connects us first to our own hearts, Um, Mm -hmm. Its usefulness is to evoke emotion. And as we first feel our own hearts, Mm -hmm. then we connect through our poetry to groups and we express ourselves as human beings in all times and places have tried to do um, through through their words, through their markings, Um, Poetry really is a huge element of our common heritage, our culture as human beings. I think poetry is absolutely vital. Oh, wow. (laughs) So when you think about your work, your body of work, what are some of the predominant themes of your work? Well... Obviously, um, my my first poetry collection is called Full Moon Fire, and my second collection, which is coming at year's end, is Moon Child. Um, I'm working on yet another series of poems um, that will also be informed by moonlight. I'm a July-born moon child, so the moon has always figured prominently in my work, but as um, as I say, in the really in the dedication, uh, in the in the front of uh, Full Moon Fire, believe in love. Um, I have had, you know, as many of us have, uh, had quite a mm-hmm. journey in love in mm-hmm. my in my many decades, and <laughs> yet I believe um, there's there's nothing there's no bigger solution. Uh, love is the alpha and the omega. And uh, so it, love always figures somehow in some fashion in my work. Those are really my themes always. All right. Very nice. Very nice. So as you think about a poem, how does it begin for you with an idea, a form, or an image? Mm. It could be any one of those things, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I... Be- very often I write out of sensation, things that I have experienced, but not always. Sometimes I'll write out of uh, bits of conversation or stories that I've read or something that I've seen that strikes a chord. At the end of the day, because I am writing it, um, it becomes mine, quote unquote, my story at the uh, eventually. Um, I, I, um, I've had the good fortune, I guess, because I went to journalism school and I was a magazine writer and a newspaper reporter for many years. I have the, I, I don't have the feeling of being often blocked 
as some writers speak about. I have the experience of writing on deadline, writing X number of column inches by 11.14 and not a moment later. So I have the, I have the, the, the ability, I suppose, or the, the really a kind of gift in that sense of being able to, mm-hmm. let, the, to let the writing flow. Um, I sometimes have the good fortune that something that I'm working on comes to me, you know, sort of fully formed from the brow of Zeus. But very often, I will, I will, I will write, and I will keep immense amounts of work in progress that I do refer to regularly. And I go back and I work it again and again. I like to let my work rest a little bit um, before I consider it finished or ready for public consumption somehow. Um, so there, there are different, there are really different, many different kinds of ways that I, that I write or that I, that I have an idea. One thing that I, that I should say, um, friends and family know me, and uh, I suppose I almost have to come with a disclaimer or a bit of a warning, because almost right. anything that we, almost anything we use in our conversation can become food for, for poems. And uh, I've had the good fortune for friends to feed me really excellent lines and anecdotes that have become poems that I've really enjoyed writing and reading. All right. Very nice. Please share a poem. Well, I'll share something from my first collection, Full Moon Fire. Full Moon Fire is a series of 40 poems that trace uh, the trajectory of love with the phases of moon from the waxing moon to the full moon to the, well, let's say the more bittersweet waning moon and then the dark side of the moon, which I think of as the new moon, because of course the cycle begins again. We believe in love, so we always, uh, we always come back to this. Um, I'll start with Dare to Fall. Love hurt you bad last time around, maybe worse the time before, but it doesn't have to be that way. You don't need to cry anymore. There's more to me, and you will see. I'm not the kind that you have known. This time I'll make you believe what glitters really is pure gold. Too many empty promises made you cry far too many times. Broken dreams and bitter kisses. You can leave all that behind. It can be hard to trust, I know. Seems only time can help you through. But true love can lift you up above the rainbow if you'll just let me care for you. Nobody wants to hit the ground, but you can't let fear of falling turn your head around. You're standing on the brink. You've got to make the leap. I'll find your wings. I'm here to catch you. There to fall in love. Are you there? And that is dare to fall. I am. I am. All right. Hello. Are you? Uh, <laughs> the, Hello? the connection somehow went out for a second there. So I couldn't hear. I'd like you to share that poem again in its entirety. Usually there's one poem that I ask the guest to share twice, and that's the one that I choose with you. All right. Love hurt you bad last time around. Maybe worse the time before. But it doesn't have to be that way. You don't need to cry anymore. There's more to me, and you will see. I'm not the kind that you have known This time, I'll make you believe what glitters really is pure gold. Too many empty promises made you cry far too many times. Broken dreams and bitter kisses, you can leave all that behind. It can be hard to trust, I know. Seems only time can help you through. But true love can lift you up above the rainbow. If you'll just let me you. Nobody wants to hit the ground, but you can't let fear of falling turn your head around. You're standing on the brink. You've got to make the leap. I'll help you find your wings. I'll be here to catch you. Just dare to fall 
in love. That's there to fall. Wow. What is the purpose of that particular poem? Um, well, for me, that's certainly something mm-hmm. that I wanted to communicate. That's very, that is very personal to me. Um, yes. As a person who believes in love, nobody wants to hit the ground, but you can't let fear of falling stop you from daring to fall in love. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's the message. Now, in terms of poetry, as you think about it, is a poem letting your wall down or building a guard? I beg your pardon? Is a, is a poem letting your wall down? Yes, or building a wall. Um, no, I don't feel that. I, I, I feel that a, that a poem is letting the guard down. Um, that's what's so challenging about poetry because as poets, you know, when, when you write as I did here about a, a, a story of love in its various phases, right away, you know, people are looking at you saying, is that you? And and who was the other person? Yes. You know, it's very, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you have to be prepared to be quite vulnerable. But I'm very pleased because at this point in my life, I'm ready for that. And I've wanted that. And this was a a kind of working out and working through Mm -hmm. and observing um, and and empathizing. A a number of things happened for me in the writing of Full Moon Fire. And it's very much, I I think that's, I can't, I can't, I can't see how, Poetry, as I think of it, would be building a wall, but trying to somehow break the walls down. The ones we build for ourselves and the ones we have between us with others. Yes, yes. You know, has a poem you've written ever humbled or frightened you? Um, Yes. I wrote something... I wrote something recently um, based on a based on a, a situation, a, a, a news story here on my small mm-hmm. island, um, a story involving domestic abuse, and it involved a young woman whom I uh, whom I know casually, and I so I, I had to write her story uh, or mm-hmm. something that honored her and yes. shall I read it shall I read it uh, I'd love I, that it would be my pleasure and I would like to say that um, because this is based on an incident of graphic uh, domestic abuse I would like to mention that to your listeners All right. it's called never forget you begged me to tattoo your name across my heart so I would not forget you. When I refused, with one stroke across my throat, you etched your rage into that same heart, hands, thighs, and ankles. You threw me, disfigured morsel of flesh, to the Dobermans behind the morgue where my rust-red fingers splayed your name across the door of a hearse you thought bore my initials. So I would not forget you. You drove my car across the border while my torn knees and elbows inched across asphalt strewn with sequined dreams to the hospital. So you will never forget the morning I, your daughter's mother, refused to die. Thank you. I need a moment to allow that poem to settle into my system. <laughs> that was extremely powerful. Thank you. Thank that you for sharing. My, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to do that. It yes. was uh, you asked me for a poem that was 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 dangerous or or hard for me, 
um, that was very difficult to do. And I appreciated encouragement of local friends and local poets who said, Mm -hmm. do it and share it because this this is a small community. And Mm -hmm. I embroidered that story. Of course, I don't, I don't know and would have no way to know details. Um, I only know what everyone has read in the newspapers. But to me, that's a, that's a story that strikes entirely too many women in small communities like ours, um, Caribbean mm-hmm. communities and small communities and large around the world. Um, domestic abuse also, of course, strikes entirely too many men children mm-hmm. uh, it was something that I wanted to write about it moved me very much well October is domestic violence awareness month the month of October here in the States ah. and tomorrow night my guest will be Sarah Gallardo she is a survivor of domestic violence and she will be here to talk about her experience through poetry so ah. this is perfect timing and that's Perfect for time. Sarah. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to know that, Michael. Thank you. Yes. That's the synchronicity in life. Things happen when you least expect it that align you. That align so you. So true. Very nice. So true. Thank you I so much. I believe very much in that, too. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See, we're going to get along really well. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. We're already like this. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, when you think about writing the editing process is a major part of it yes, and some sure. poets claim that a poem is like a living creature once it's out there not there's not much you can do to correct or improve it or others edit meticulously not leaving much from the original draft form what is your take on the editing process mm, I think I'm I think I'm more on the latter side than the former um, sometimes mm-hmm. there are things that, you know, as poets, we think, ah, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. That's my little, that's my little nugget. I want to keep that. I'm afraid after so many years in newsrooms, I am very accustomed to uh, editors and others' notions that what I have written is not deathless prose and it needs a good hand uh, and, a, and a little bit of, uh, you know, a nudge. Um, and I basically, I basically do feel that way when I read so many books, especially in these days of self-publishing. That's such mm-hmm. a tremendous boon to so many writers. Um, there, I would say that editors, proofreaders, copy editors, absolutely money well spent. Um, you, you don't want your work to be bogged down in, in sort of structural problems that prevent the reader from getting the message easily, readily. Um, poetry is, is often enough said to be so challenging for people. Um, I don't want to give enough obstacle to have to leap over. So I personally uh, do believe in editing, and um, I like to do it. I like to have my work, have it, have, have my work edited, and uh, mm-hmm. I like to share my work in sort of a, a workshop fashion with writers whose um, whose opinions I value. All right. Now, thinking about writing in books, here's the question: mm-hmm. How do you handle a bad review of your work? Um. Well, you know, you're, none of us is going to appeal to everyone, and you just right. take that in stride. I mean, I've, I guess I've been lucky. I, in that regard, those kinds of things roll off me a little bit more maybe than many um, because I've seen <laughs> you know, my name in print hundreds of times, of course, as a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone is going to agree with you. Now, mind you, as I said before, of course, when you're writing poetry and your name is on the cover of a poetry collection, you, you do feel a little more vulnerable, but you have to take that in, you have to take that in stride. It's just part of it. And I try to remember, um, you know, the, the really, when I, when I find myself butting up against something like that, I try to go back to Epictetus and just remember that we have to be our own best witness at the end of the day and uh, try Mm -hmm. to honor that, not take it too personally. 
Right. And you know that is so difficult sometimes to do because yeah. we wear these forms and look so close to our vest. So for me personally, <laughs> oh, it's hard to do, Marianne. It's hard to do. It is. It is. It's, it's incredibly difficult to do. But it comes well, to territory. Back. When okay. we put ourselves out there, we have to anticipate. You know, now we've mm-hmm. become public figures, and so has our work. Mm-hmm become a public mm-hmm. figure, and we have to anticipate um, criticism of various yes. kinds. So well, well, Let's go well-intentioned back. and sometimes not well-intentioned, <laughs> and it's all part and parcel of it. <laughs> all right. Let's go back. <laughs> what in your past, what was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Mm, well, I was thinking about that actually about um my my early experiences of poetry and i i grew up uh, i'm a new englander born and i grew up in glastonbury connecticut where as a kid um i guess i was in grade six we used to have friday assemblies and i absolutely loved the fact that two students from every class each week had to memorize a poem and you know, Michael, I can still remember the the better part of a number of poems that I memorized in those days. I And there were things about them that I absolutely adored. You know, I was not the one, unfortunately, to be able to remember, uh, you know, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere or Casey at the Bat or Barbara Fritchie, some of those kinds of poems. But, you know, whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. That kind of rhythm, that quiet beauty. Mm-hmm. In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow. Between the crosses, row on row. I loved that. As a kid, you wanted to have those poppies growing And it struck me that they were blowing. I loved that. And then, of course, oh, heart, 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 oh, those bleeding drops of red, where on the deck my captain lies, fallen, cold and dead. And, of course, the the wonderful poet Walt Whitman, um, with whom I was really raised as a child, my father adored Leaves of Grass. It was his favorite book in university and really all time. And I guess he came by that naturally because my father's grandmother um, was was Jenny Whitman and she was the cousin of Walt. And so we were we were raised with the idea of a poet in the family. And, of course, it was many years before we could understand something about um, that, that great American voice. Um, mm-hmm. But I've, I've loved, I guess I've loved something about words and word play um, from the youngest times. I was an inveterate Scrabble player with my family growing up, and I did, the, I did crosswords with my grandmother, who who considered it a fabulous blessing that she had come from Poland as a teenager and learned English herself. We always had great fun with that. And even now with my Montessori students, um, a game of Wordle is what we love at the end of the day. I guess you know, I, uh, those kinds of experiences of words from the earliest time, um, yeah, All they, right. they've been always shaping. <laughs> We're going to take a brief break. A 60-second break, but I want to share that your enthusiasm and excitement makes me excited. Just listening to you talk, I can feel it. It comes through. It comes through the airways thousands of miles away. So thank you for that. Yes, very much so. My pleasure. Yes, we'll be right back.
We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Marianne Teff. Marianne, are you Yes, Michael. I sure am. (laughs) There's an image of poets being overcome with inspiration and having to write everything out of nowhere and at once. Does this ever happen to you? Um, yes, it, it has. I am, um, I guess I'm you know, pretty well known for carrying around spiral notebooks galore and those black and white copy books that you have in classrooms. And I'm probably one of the only, um, one of the only people who has actually written poems and songs uh, in a casino between games of poetry. I mean, between games of bingo, sorry. Well, games of poetry. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you have a good quiet 45 minutes in a place where nobody's going to bother you, and you have to do something, so why not write? (laughs) (laughs) So true, so true, so true. Please share a poem. Please share a poll. All right. Um, I'd like to share. I'd like to share a poem for that was inspired by my sister, which is another uh, place that we are often finding um, poems. Um, our family writing about our close friends and family, and this one was inspired by my sister's love of. Sandhill cranes, the beautiful birds that she knew in Alaska. She now lives in the state of Washington on Whitby Island. And before she was leaving, we were talking about those birds. This for my sister Michelle, Sandhill cranes. This is not the first time I look for them, the Sandhill cranes, but it might be the last time I see their wise ochre crowns as I drive away from their summer abode and south to mine, a place I cannot yet call home, but I hope for the best, fulfillment of the promise their sighting brings. I have always found cranes on the horizon whenever I needed their generous wings in my sky, feathers torn and stained against forest pines, gray-green amulets from the east, symbols of long life and freedom, theirs and mine. With days behind the wheel ahead, I follow their vigilant example, like the legendary birds who held stones in their beaks to keep themselves from falling asleep on watch. Caffeinated straw between my lips, I admire the sky kings and queens that dance two by two, rumble across Arctic ponds, and I pray their spirits follow me 2,000 miles, for soon I know I will stand on a raw winter beach and stare into the sea to find my sandhill cranes. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) You know, listening to you, your voice is amazing. Your voice is amazing. And the way that you're able to, it's so rich. And what I want to know is, as you think about writing poetry, reading poetry, what is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? They have to complement each other, absolutely. I love to read out loud. I love to read novels to my students. I love to go to open mics. I especially love this because radio is fabulous because it's voice and it's emotion. And, you know, you don't have to see me organizing my papers or how I'm moving. You can just, I can just give you my voice and my poetry. So, to me, they absolutely go hand in hand. All right. As you think about writing your book, and you've written more than one, well, let's focus, as you said, on Full Moon Fire, Spoken Songs of Love. Yes. What I want to know is, what did you learn about yourself writing this book? That I that I could rely upon myself, that I was ready 
to do this and really had been for a while. Um, what I learned that I was something that I we were referring to earlier on about the vulnerability, that I was ready to embrace that, that I wanted to that I wanted to take this kind of step, really knowing in some ways this is still top kind of a top line for me. I want to go further in my writing and delve further into certain kinds of experiences of love. Something that I realized when I was writing this book, uh, Full Moon Fire, I haven't explored certain sides and aspects of love. For example, I read I read to you Sandhill Cranes here, but I have a long way to go, especially um, writing about my relationship with my parents, for example. Yes. Um, yes. So really, so that's what I discovered. Uh, how much, how much, how much uh, wider and deeper I can go in my writing, and yet that I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. I'm really grateful for that. You know, one of the questions that I usually ask is, does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? Not physically, of course, not uh, literally, but just in terms of your processing. Does it hurt you to write poetry? Um, yes, sometimes there are things that are very that are very painful that are mm-hmm. um, the things that are most painful for me are the times when I have to really hold up the mirror to myself and say, nah, I'm not buying that. Okay. You, you you behaved badly. You were the bad one. You have to own that. You have to explore that. You need to go deeper there. And I have to say those are the kinds of poems that I hope are coming and will be coming. Um in addition to other kinds of poems too, but those sorts of things, that's where, that's where it's painful for me to realize that I hurt others, that I was mm. dishonest with myself, that I, didn't, that I didn't hold myself to the standards that I have, that I, right. that I, that I was false. And, well, and, you a know, couple of it. things. You know, a couple mm-hmm. of things I believe is that if you know better, you do better. That's uh, one of the statements. And also, I want to share this brief story with you in terms of families. I was required to write a paper when I was in my doctoral program for my family, to talk about my family. So are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, okay, I I can never tell. So So I was required to write this paper and turn it in. And when I did, the professor gave it back to me. And she said, Michael, I didn't know that you grew up at Disney World. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what she meant. <laughs> Everybody was perfect. <laughs> there <were> no problems. <laughs> One big, beautiful family. <laughs> and it wasn't like that <laughs> at all. <Exactly>. But uh, <laughs> we grow and we learn. We grow and we That's learn. It. That's it. Well, thinking about growth, and you've been writing for a while, it sounds like. Yes. What would you tell your younger writing self if you could tell your younger writing self anything? Well, the same thing that I would tell younger writers, write, mm-hmm. keep writing, write all the time. And I have to say, I, I've, I, because of the kinds of work, the kinds of jobs that I've been fortunate to have, I have done a lot of writing and I've done a lot of personal writing for a long time, but make it a practice. Don't judge it. Make it a practice. Make it a habit. Um, If you want to, you know, if you want to speak French, if you want to learn to speak French, you must open your mouth and let some words out. If, uh, as a friend of mine who's a sub three marathoner told me when I was plodding along at four and a half hours, you want to run faster? So run faster. You know, it sounds glib, but if you want to write, you must put your hands on the keyboard. You must pick up your pencil and do it all the time. 
And again, you know those words that I used before, it's not always going to be deathless prose, but many days you will be surprised that you will find some little kernel of something worth keeping. And you'll say, huh, not bad. I think I'll come back and play the game again tomorrow. And that's, that's really the best advice of all. These days, it's so wonderful. My daughter is always telling me, oh, mom, you can, oh, just Google that. Oh, just ch- look for that. They'll, you can find that on YouTube. You look it up, look it up. And we're so blessed because uh, if you want to know something about any aspect of writing, there is so much information there. There's, there's such a wide community online. Um, that's a real gift uh, today to young writers, I think. Read, 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 write, 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 and don't don't always be judging. Just be doing. Mm-hmm. Do you That's think you say. were meant to be a poet? Do you think you were meant to be a poet? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. Do you think, Marianne? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. Do you think <laughs> you, you were meant to be a poet? <laughs> you know, when I, when I give my students, when they give the, the little ones, you know, the six-year-olds, they tell me, you know, Miss Marianne, um, I know seven times five is 35, and then we open the math book together, and there's two plus three, and the student looks at me and says, is that even a question? I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be cheeky, but was I meant to be a poet? I think so. I I mean, I can't imagine what else I really was meant to be. And finally, my choices are are really showing, I think. Well, let's let's focus a little bit on that. What Mm -hmm. surprises you most about being a poet? Um, I guess poetry is writing, really, of anything, but... Being a poet is such a solitary occupation, to be sure. Mm -hmm. But the poetry community is so warm and welcoming and open-hearted, generally. I have found Mm -hmm. um, poets are among the most committed and articulate people that I've ever had the pleasure to know. And I guess that has really surprised me, um, that you you feel like you're a poet alone. You, yes, of course, you have to do your own work, but there is a huge community, and poets are everywhere. We really are everywhere. <laughs> and that's, that's something that surprised me so happily. You know, Marianne, there's so much happening in our world today. I guess there's always been so much happening. And as I share every week, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent, what do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? Well, we're fortunate as poets because we can we can start the conversation that can't always be begun. We can leap into the conversation, and I think in some ways a poet um, has to let others know we're all in it together. We are all poets. I think it's our duty to bring others into the fold, to help others find their voices if they can. And it's really that thing that I mentioned before and that really strikes me, that we, as poets, we have the opportunity to to talk about the things that frighten us. And there are mm. plenty of things that frighten us as yes. individuals, that frighten us as communities, that frighten us as parents, mm-hmm. as women, as men, mm-hmm. as teenagers, as seniors, um, that's really that's really what our job is. It's our job to to go there, uh, to be mm-hmm. useful in that way, to evoke the emotion, to continue the conversation. Poetry is yes. a tremendously important job if we care to embrace it. Yes. You know, now it's time for what I call a poetry concert. I'd like to sh- you to share three poems back to back, no interruptions from me, just three poems that you'd like to read. This is your concert right now. All right. Do you simply want the poet or would you like a little context? Yeah, give a little context. <laughs> a little context. I forgot that piece. A little context. <laughs> All right. Um, then I'd like to speak a little bit about where poets sometimes find their inspiration. 
um, one place that I mentioned is with family. And I'd certainly like to share this poem. This is a family poem. It's a true story. And it's now almost 27 years old. It's called, I Dreamed of Dolphins. I knew you were coming the night I dreamed of dolphins, walking with your father beneath moonlit veils of Spanish moss, so unlike the icy drapes that cascaded from our northern roofs, I had gazed with joy and awe so many years before as those sleek coursers sign-curved up the broad river. That night, I stood on boulders, staring into a sea the color of pecans. From a depth where even my night mind knew no air breather could ascend, I watched a dolphin fly toward the surface. Mesmerized by that determined arrow, I stared as if into a hand mirror when the dolphin stood tall on his silver flukes held me for an indelible instant in the full sunshine of his gentle smile, then bent his strong neck and kissed me on the cheek. Unpleating my body in one move, I sat up, sure like tropical dawn that bursts from dream to daylight, and I knew, as I have never known anything before or since, you were coming the night I dreamed of dolphins. That's the first poem I'd like to share. The second poem was inspired by a conversation with a friend. And that's where you have to be so careful of me um, because I am going to take the stories you tell me and do something with them. And this is a story that a friend told me uh, about his days in college when we were looking beyond books for knowledge. It's called God's Will. It must have been God's will, those champagne afternoons in beds among roses whose flattened petals now tumble from the pages of my fair Linguetti. I had never been a believer, but she whose name translates directly made me entertain the foreign notion of divine intervention. With long brown hair that strove to brush her waist, long dark lashes that grazed my skin so gratefully, undeterred, perhaps inspired by our initial lack of a mutual tongue, her long browned legs embraced her American dream, and not a word was lost in translation. Finally, I'd like to share a poem that was recently inspired by um, a wonderful poet from Zimbabwe, who I've had the pleasure of meeting in some of the wonderful open mic groups that are available online. And my friend from the landlocked country of Zimbabwe said to me, he had never seen the ocean. Well, you can't leave those words with a poet. You have never seen the ocean? Is it true, love? You have never seen the ocean? You come from an ancient land locked away from the sea where the first hunters roamed in waist-high grass and climbed for days to the tops of cloud-wreathed mountains now you stand here on the edge of a new land birthed from ancient volcanic hips cradled in the waves where the first fishers dove through spindrift to forage plains of turtle grass. Is it true, love, you have never seen the ocean? Run beside her with languid steps outracing footprints indelible only for the time between the crests that endlessly erase the shore? 
seen the sun, caress the horizon, strewing rubies and diamonds that dissolve into the sea with a flash of phosphorescent green? Is it true, love, you have never seen the ocean? Plunged beneath the waves to bathe in a timeless caress and leap through the surface, your smile effervescent as you raise your chin, your mighty locks fling the prismatic water fans into the luminous moonset. Is it true, love, you have never seen the ocean? Here you will write wind-swept poems. Breathing in the salty exhalations of our restless mother. By night, the stars will crown my hair, candelabrum around my head, shining on our table in the sand where we dine on each other. Long and lingering feast as Aldebaran and Rigel arc across the sky and the waves kiss our bare feet. Is it true, love, you have never seen the ocean? Thank you, Michael. Oh, that was amazing. (laughs) Amazing. I'm happy you enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm happy you enjoyed it. Yes, you know, poets hail from all over the world. Where do you hail from and where are you now? (laughs) I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, the insurance city, and I was raised in Canada, uh, in Toronto. I attended journalism school at Carleton University in Ottawa, and I had a first career in magazine journalism. When my daughter, Julia, the subject of I Dreamed of Dolphins, was very small, Mm -hmm. she went to Montessori School in Toronto, and I became a Montessori teacher, sort of changing in mid-stride. And a few years later, we moved to the island of St. Martin in the Northeast Caribbean, the Dutch Caribbean. I've lived here in St. Martin for 20 years. I daylight as an upper elementary Montessori teacher. And here I am a poet, a lyricist, and I do voiceover work. Oh, you do voiceover work. I do. (laughs) I knew something. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Something was up. I knew it, Mary. (laughs) Now, let me focus. Let me focus. How has your time in St. Martin's influenced your poetry? Well, I'm happy you. I'm happy you asked. Um, that that poem, uh, you have never seen the ocean, is certainly part of uh, my work mm-hmm. here in St. Martin, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm working on a, a manuscript that um, is grounded on the island. Um, if you like, I can share a poem or two from my. Anything, anything you want to share, please. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just so happy. Share anything you'd like to share. <laughs> Um, I love to write with students, and uh, I've had the privilege these last five or six years that um, by encouraging student writers into short story uh, competitions and into poetry calls for submission, I've had the privilege of having 17 of my students become published writers, and they love it when I write along with them. Last summer, there was a what we call a Moko Jumbi Fest here on the island, and there were more than 100 stilt walkers um, present. And I wrote a poem for that occasion called Osuna. Legs outstretched, arms akimbo, Osuna strides through the village as she has from the dawn of time in the beginning place. When she hears the djembe drums, her heart beats with pride. She remembers the salt spray against her face. The ocean's salt tears could not quench her thirst, even as two strong arms bore her to the new world, where she stands resilient, tall like the tamarind trees provoked by centuries of storms, 
brighter than the moonlit night rising above the darkness of the land and secret hearts pouring forth her guardian light. That's a that's a fixture in the islands. Uh, the Moko Jumbies, a part of uh, Caribbean culture. The collection that I'm working on is called Rainbow Country. I live um, halfway up a hillside. I overlook the Simpson Bay Lagoon. Um, I can look out to the island of Anguilla. I look across our airport and any time there is the least bit of rain in the sky, there's a rainbow. I call St. Martin <laughs> Rainbow Country. All right. I see that. When the, oh. yes, I'd like to share with you the title yes. uh, poem for my coming mm-hmm. collection, Rainbow Country. When the first drops land on the windshield of my commute, I become a menace on these tropical roads. Not because the asphalt aquaria filled to overflowing or the coastal road through Mullet Bay suddenly welcomes kayaks but deters my little Nissan, or that the hillside has been known to hillslide into my backyard in cahoots with Big Mama Irma, the matriarch of climatic mayhem, but because I am known to be sunny. Storms bring me the chance to top up my cup, ever half full and expectant, like that suede dog parked on the back shelf of my aunt's sedan, heads a swivel with every bump of every childhood trip. I have one hand for the wheel and one for my camera. I am looking for rainbows. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so much I want to ask you. But I'll ask you with pleasure. <laughs> yeah. What do you hope readers get from encountering your poems? I hope that readers will recognize someone, something, not someone, sorry. Uh, it isn't that they need to recognize me or relate to me, but perhaps that they find something in my poems that allows them to walk along with me. That's really what I hope. Mm-hmm. Right, to walk along with you. You know, yeah, one question I didn't ask, mm-hmm. well, one question I didn't ask is that all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours and what makes them great in your eyes? Well, one of the writers whom I love is a, mm-hmm. is a poet, songwriter, and novelist, the late Leonard Cohen, the great Canadian oh, wow. writer. Yes. Um, I have really loved the writing of Leonard Cohen for many, many years, and uh, I appreciate his vulnerability and honesty. Um, one of the first poets whose work struck me when I read it in uh, as a as a, a kind of a, a dedication, if you will, in a Canadian novel, um, was was Rainer Maria Rilke. I have come to like his work very very much, and mm-hmm. the letters to a young poet. And I have kept this one particular phrase in my mind for many years: Love consists in this, that two solitudes protect and touch and greet each other. And I think that's decades ago when I read that as a teenager, that has mm-hmm. has informed my thinking about love and life, those simple words, those few words. Um, I love the writing of Octavio Paz and Pablo Neruda. I like the I like the writing about love, the 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 sensuality of their work. And so and so so many writers who are working today. Um Poets who may be listening and maybe working uh, in some kind of isolation, please go online. Please look for the fabulous online open mic groups around the world every night of the week, every month, and find your way to them where you will hear the most extraordinary writing um, that will take your breath away. And you will be wishing that you would write one sentence 
in your lifetime as a poet, like some of the folks who are writing and, and reading and reciting uh, regularly online these days. Those are just a few wow. of the, the influences. I find them everywhere. If possible, I'd like you to send me the quote by Rilke. Would you send me that? By all means, with pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, wow. You know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. I guess what I want to know is we're finishing. Why do you write? Um, I'm sorry. What do I, I? I didn't hear what you said, Michael. Please. Okay. That's all right. I said writers so and poets. That's okay. Yes. Writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write yes. primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. And you've talked about it, but I want to know one more time. Why do you write? Yes. It depends. It depends. There are different times where I, I, can't, I, I can't quiet my tongue, and that's a poem like Never Forget, written for the young woman, mm-hmm. uh, the victim of domestic abuse. There are other times yes. when I want to entertain or delight or try to paint a picture about something that I love, um, very often love. Um, sometimes I want to honor someone or something, uh, a friend who has given me something beautiful, uh, who has shared my journey, members of the family that I've, uh, that I've written about and for. Um, it, could be, it could be any one of those things. But really, I suppose my underlying message is that message of believe in love, dare to fall. Mm-hmm. You know, we're at the end of our poetic journey together, but I'd like to know, would you share one more piece before we go? Sure. I guess I have to share the title poem of Full Moon Fire. They say our signs don't mix hot sun and cool moon shadow, but we got our own tricks and they don't know what we know. The cards say, just forget it, but we're in love together. Dynamo and H2O were two sides of forever. Feel you rise like first light, my lips open to your kiss. Beneath a shower of moonlight, my sea drowns you in my bliss. Your torch has the power to melt my frozen heart. My tide is the elixir that tears your blaze apart. When my rain meets your flame, we take it even higher, making steam, making steam, making Oh, fire. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where can listeners find your work, Marianne? You can find me on Facebook, Marianne Teft, poet and wordsmith. You can find me on Instagram, my name, Marianne Teft. You can find Full Moon Fire, Spoken Songs of Love on Amazon. You have just listened to the quintessential listening poetry. All right. Something happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello, are you there? <laughs> Life, yes, I Mary am. Life. I am. So start Indeed. over. Start over again, please. <laughs> oh boy, it's been one of those days. <laughs> so start again. It's terrible. Where people can find your work. I am so sorry. You'll find me. You'll find me on Facebook, Marianne Teft, poet and wordsmith. You'll find me on YouTube. I read on my own channel, Marianne Teft. If you'd like to hear me read some of my work aloud, um, you'll find me on Instagram, Marianne Teft. And my book, Full Moon Fire, Spoken Songs of Love, is available on Amazon. And All right. So with that, listeners can stay in touch with you through those mechanisms, through those means? Please, with pleasure. All right, all right. What's next for you? I think you talked about it a little bit, but what's next for you? Where do you go from here? Well, my next collection, um, uh, another series of moon-influenced poems called Moonchild. My coming collection in 2023 will be Rainbow Country, Roots in Tropical Life. I'm working on a book called Sirius, 
um, named after the dog star, which is a, a two celestial bodies moving in tandem. And that will be a series of poems honoring people with whom I have been uh, in close and intimate orbit through the years. And because I'm interested in Stoic philosophy, I'm working on a manuscript also slowly called What Stands in the Way. So, All right. Project. Yeah. Oh, yes, I see. I want to thank you for favoring us tonight, for your, sharing your insights about poetry. It's been wonderful. We started off kind of rocky in terms of getting here. <laughs> and we ended kind of rocky. But the meat, <laughs> that's the thank best part of the meat. Thank you yeah. so much for waiting for me. It was my pleasure. No, no, no. I wish you nothing but continued success, nothing but just being happy. That's what Thank I you wish. so much. Thank you so much. All right. I wish the same for you and your listeners. Thank you so much. All right. All right. All right, everyone. <laughs> We've made it to the end of another one. So, oh, and I forgot to share with you, Marion, as well, that this month actually is Domestic Aware- Violence Awareness Month for this podcast. Yes. Uh, yes. Send information out about 250,000 people about what domestic violence is and how we plan to talk about it on this show. So, again, it's very important to us. It's very important to us. So I wanted to share that before we go. All right. Thank you. As I share every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Good night, Marianne. Good night. Good night. Greetings from St. Martin. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at QLPOR.com.